Hi guys, welcome to the Fintech Coffee Break. I'm your host, Isabel Castro. This week, I sat down with Ralph Kubli from the Casper Association to talk about real-world asset tokenization. Real-world asset tokenization, seen as a tool to improve efficiency and accessibility to financial instruments, is set to be a trillion-dollar market. Despite the crypto winter, multiple instances of alleged fraud and the US's regulatory stonewalling of crypto companies, businesses continue to invest in the infrastructure. But Rao feels that we could be headed for disaster due to the way assets are tokenized. For him, the real prize is in the tokenization of financial obligations of cash flows over time. Confused? I know I was, which is why I had to get him on the show. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for making the time. Um, so to begin with, what gets you up in the morning? Oh, uh, I am uh, increasingly more concerned about uh, the stability of the financial system. So I think it's all built on 50, 60 year old technology, which may crumble at any given time. So. Okay, so there's a little bit of anxiety there that gets you up, uh, up in the morning and gets you going. Um, so tell me about your career journey to the Casper Foundation. Yeah, thanks. So, well, I, I studied in ancient times. I studied uh, uh, history and business administration and because historians didn't have a lot of uh, hours. I started coding HTML at the time, uh, you know, mandatory classes. So I had some I had some time to spend and um yeah so that was pre-web 2 almost i would say and um in the 90s uh, and after that uh, for unknown reasons to me i stopped coding html and be involved in in the web even though uh some of my family members who were in technology suggested i should do only that which i didn't follow their advice unfortunately uh, and then I spent uh, a career in, in large companies for a while until 2016 or 15, 16, when I, when I came across this blockchain technology with Ether and, and uh, Bitcoin. And I really started to understand how fundamental this would change how economies will function in the future. And I wanted to get involved. And I kind of felt I was given a second chance after I had missed the first revolution, you know, I spent uh, in, instead of, you know, being in a high flying dot com company, I spent, uh, you know, time in pouring industrial firms for many years. Uh, and I felt I was given a second chance. So I, I, I did everything I could in order to get involved in blockchain industry and uh, joined the venture capital firm. And then after after that, I, I, I now joined a few boards, including the Casper Association board. Okay, cool. Well, it sounds like it all kind of went towards this end goal thing. And you're in an industry that you love. Uh, after talking to you, I realized that. Um, so where are we with asset tokenization, particularly real world assets? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think real world asset tokenization is kind of a misnomer. Uh, when we talk about tokenization, we really think of, or I think of financial assets that are tokenized, which many people do. And then, of course, tokenization of a Picasso or a car or a machine or a house is kind of difficult to do, right? So how would you break down a, a house, which is very complex in all its digital 
characteristics in in a digital form in all its characteristics, right? It would be very difficult to achieve, right? So that is <clears throat> in when you talk about physical assets or you know assets that really exist in the in, in the in the physical world. I guess it's more of a question of how you tie the representation on chain to the real to the real thing. But of course, what we are really passionate about and what we are working on is uh, tokenization of financial assets, so streams of cash flows. Uh, that is what we're working on, and and we're making good progress. Okay, so how does it work? How what's your approach? So, as opposed to many other, you know currently existing applications we believe that you have to start with a clear definition of the financial instrument uh, in an algorithmic representation or form right so we we clearly define um, what we call the financial contract which is the agreement between the parties on the exchange of cash flows over time uh, that needs to be clearly defined in mathematical terms uh, by the way, that is defined in mathematical terms, right? Today already, uh, we all sign agreements when we lease a car or when we, you know, when we sign a mortgage for a house. It is clearly defined how we pay interest, how we pay principal, you know, how we amortize principal. But the problem in today's world, it's not standardized. So we build everything we build on an open source algorithmic financial standard, which basically represents the agreements between the parties on the cash flows. They define these cash flows deterministically, and that then is represented on chain in a what we call a smart financial contract. Okay, cool. And you guys are kind of closely linked with Actus, the algorithmic contract types, unified standards. This is an area that was already in place. I think it was started after the financial crisis of 2008 um tell me about this and how it links with casper and where you're going with it okay yeah so actus is the algorithm as you mentioned is the algorithmic contract type unified standard so actus it's an open source algorithmic financial contract standard the difference between actus and other standards that exist also in the financial world is that it gives you actus defines a data model so 130 attributes uh, but it also defines transition function which means you know it clearly defines how is an interest rate calculated how is a rate reset calculated how is principal amortized in an annuity for example uh, uh, if you look at the swap how would a swap between you know a swap that exists um, that consists of two bonds be constructed mathematically consistently. So, so the ACTA standard is the result of the financial crisis of 2008, yeah, where a number of individuals who were at the storm, uh, sorry, at the center of the storm, both regulators, people that were modeling large banks, risk managers, um, and actually capacities, academic capacities in risk management, when they got together and said, you know, we really have to solve this this problem, um, uh, you may or may not remember, and some of the audience uh, surely remembers when they're interested in fintech. Um, in the uh, in the big short in the movie, right? So these individuals that were building these models by reading all the contracts that existed and basically determined that, 
you know, certain assets were terribly overvalued or terribly undervalued and then placed bets against those. Uh, that basically is the purpose of the act as standard, to make visible, to have a granular understanding which can be aggregated at any level of the cash flows that exist in these financial contracts. Okay, so this is something that's already existing and you're just bringing it onto blockchain. We are bringing it onto chain. Yeah, we think that you have to start with finance first, which is we start with Actus, and then we combine this understanding of the financial contract with the unique capabilities of blockchain. And what, what does blockchain bring to the table here? Blockchain brings, when you think about the smart contract definition of Nick Sabo, which is it brings observability, verifiability, and these two conditions enable to enforce, they bring enforceability as a consequence. And then Nick Sabo also defined uh, the, the conditions for a smart contract as uh, the fourth condition was privity, which meant privacy. That also, of course, is brought by blockchain. Only you know people that have that are authorized to look at something should be able to look at something. So you you take this unique property and understanding of a financial contract which exists in finance, plus we add this blockchain component, uh, what I just described, and then we are talking of a smart financial contract, not just a smart contract, but a smart financial contract, which basically then represents on-chain the obligations of the party uh, when they have to pay, what they have to pay, what conditions they agreed to in, in case of uh, in case of a rate reset, for example. Yeah. Okay, cool. I mean, real-world asset tokenization is quite a difficult subject for a lot of people. Um, you mentioned that there's another approach, like putting the physical assets on chain, kind of why are people going with the physical assets as opposed to these financial contracts? Well, people actually, you know, do tokenize financial contracts, right? I think they're just not doing it the right way. They should start with real finance first. Uh, and, and that's why we start with Actus. Um, and you know, I, I think it's it it it's easier to think of a fractionalized Picasso, right, or a fractionalized, very expensive car as an asset class, than than it is to think of a single mortgage being tokenized and living in uh, in financial you know uh, rails or on new rails, right? Although we have to say, I mean, that's what currently many banks are working on and and also many companies right there's a, a lot of tokenization platforms etc and they always claim to make illiquid assets more liquid uh which which we agree in principle with but we also uh, our deep conviction is that if you in, in in the case of financial assets if you do not know the cash flow streams, and if you have no efficient way of understanding the obligations of payments of the parties in a machine-readable and machine-executable form, which is what we're proposing here, then it will be very difficult to generate liquidity, you know, for these for these assets, regardless what the as what the underlying asset is, and and I guess in the real world it's just. You know, more interesting or more sexy to tokenize some rare car, you know, than uh, you know, than to think really hard about 
what it takes to tokenize trillions and trillions of debt. Uh, you know, uh, the other aspect maybe Isabel is important to understand. So when you look at tokenized financial assets, I mean, you know, USDC is a is a is a basically a tokenized currency or or a money market fund, depending. So it's cash and cash equivalent, right? So we have tokenization of cash already today, right? The representation of, of a cash. Um, and, and the further, however, you get away from a cash-like nature. So when we move away from, um, from cold hard cash or a commodity uh, to representing streams of cash flow, which is debt, for example, is a stream of cash flow, then uh, then there was no progress made so far, right? In the last four or five years, people have tried to tokenize debt um, and they have failed to find a market for it. And we, we believe it is not only the infrastructure that is missing, but it is also the understanding, the granular representation in a machine-readable and machine-executable form, which is preventing people from, from reaping the benefits and scaling uh, of tokenized financial assets because they are missing this link uh, to the granular understanding of the cash flows. Okay, I've got a couple of questions from that, but I'm going to go with this one, the first one. Um, there has been kind of predictions that tokenization is going to be a trillion dollar uh, market by 2030. Given the current landscape, the current regulatory thing, like literally taking a snapshot of now do you think we're on track yes i do think we're on track um we are potentially headed for disaster but i still believe i still believe we can turn it around why are we on track so as i described i think cash and cash equivalent instruments will be represented you know on dlt permissioned or public environments there is there's little doubt about that. There's just too much efficiency to be gained. Um, and that alone is a huge market, right? Uh, that is really, really large. Um, also, you can see that equity-like instruments also start to be represented uh, in tokenized form. I think it's not as interesting, but it also has a lot of efficiency, right? So when you look at what some of the large private equity firms are doing, uh, some fund managers, they, they clearly understand that, you know, having a, a distributed ledger that records things simultaneously, ownership simultaneously is very, very efficient, you know, much more efficient in comparison to what exists today in fund management, right? So this, this will happen. I just believe that on the debt side, and quite frankly, the world runs on credit. Uh, on the debt side, the understanding of the requirement of a standardized financial contract, which would then give us asset interoperability consistently, uh, not just through the life cycle of one instrument, but through the life cycle of many instruments that can that are can be interchanged and th that can be built upon each other. That understanding is not yet there, which is why you're, why we are also promoting the open source algorithmic standard uh, Actus, right? So this is this is the key. So I think we're on track uh, for large scale tokenization, uh, but in debt markets, in order to benefit from efficiencies in the mid office and back office. 
you need to have a truly digital representation of the financial instrument. And that currently, in my opinion, can only be achieved by using this act as standard. Okay. And because it's not happening, this is why you say that we're potentially headed for disaster. Yes, we are potentially headed for a balkanized, you know, financial asset, uh, sorry, financial system on these new rails, right? On these new DLT rails, which potentially is much worse than what we know today. Because if you think about it, let's assume that um, BlackRock issues a bond, right? Uh, A tokenized bond. And some programmer sits down and programs this bond, right? The representation and maybe the cash flow uh, obligations of some parties. And then, you know, T.R.O. Price does that and, you know, uh, Fannie Mae does it and, you know, uh, other issuers start issuing bonds like that. And they all sit down and define these instruments based on whatever they understand they would want to program or what they think they should program. And then that will result in a really chaotic environment because we we then not only have to understand new programming languages, but we also have to understand each individual contract. It will be impossible to create efficient markets, you know, if we do not have a standardized definition a deterministic standardized uh, uh, deterministic standardized definition of the cash flow obligations uh, in a machine readable and machine executable form if they're all different we will have no efficiency whatsoever okay yeah my next question was going to be about the interoperability because this is a new technology these are new rails but the financial system already has old rails that have been going for centuries and then you've got assets and then you and then this tokenization is supposed to be uh improving interoperability between those assets i mean how do we get around this whole new technology being Mm -hmm. separate from the other and create this interoperability by starting with the cash flows and the cash flows are the only thing that matter, right? So if we agree on how the cash is flowing, then it doesn't matter whether a financial asset lives on Hezos or on Ava or on, you know, uh, or on Polygon or on Casper or on Bitcoin or on Ether. It doesn't matter where these contracts live. They are become interoperable when we agree on what are the cash flow obligations of the parties according to the contract. And if we want to be efficient, we need to have them in machine readable and machine executable form, and they need to be standardized. Okay, cool. That is a very strong stance and I like it. Um, So I'm moving to my own questions. Like before we move on, uh, I just wanted to, City in March released a report which had a prediction that tokenization would reach mass market in about six to eight years. Within mm-hmm. that time frame, maybe even before, within the next five years, what is your outlook for tokenization? Where are we going? Yes, I think um, I think the first people to reap efficiency of tokenization are some of these fund managers. They're doing this now, right? Just administratively. Uh, that's the first. Those are the first uh, winners. 
I think equity tokenization overall is completely irrelevant. I may make a few strong statements here so people can, <laughs> you know, leave comments. I think I think tokenization of equity is the fantasy of lawyers that are always concerned where this equity is. When you look at the efficiency of equity markets, you don't need tokenization. Really, you don't. Um, uh, and then uh, for me, hopefully, we really move into into that tokenization, which can be scaled because we have a granular understanding of, of each individual obligation. I think the other item maybe that I want to contextualize here is, look, I do believe that blockchain is the single most important technology in finance since the arrival of or since the introduction of computers in banks. And the industry knows that. They're all working on this. Um, some banks more, others less, some regulators more, you know, others less. I think this is very clear. I think where we are incorrect and where we really have to be careful is innovation in payments has been mistaken as innovation in finance. And, and this is where this error comes from, right? Just because I have a more efficient way of paying also with you know, CBDCs, also with tokenized, uh, you know, uh, stable coins, et cetera. Just because I have that innovation doesn't make finance more efficient. You have to really think, how can I make finance? Uh, it, you know, it's not finance, it's payment. So finance is the exchange of cash flows over time. Payments is the exchange of cash right now. And that that is that is where the that is where the key lies. And this is why we're building on the act standard. Yeah, I can see this kind of underlies everything that you guys are doing. Um, so before you go, I've got two questions. First of all, mm -hmm. what is a piece of advice that you have been given that you would be that you would give to someone else? This can be about anything. Yeah, so um So the so the, the what I've missed right in nineteen ninety five, which is leaving university and going all in on the web, uh, you know that advice I didn't I didn't hear. So I had to wait another twenty years for this technological revolution. So my advice is, if you're convinced about a deep fundamental technological revolution, you should really go for it. Okay, I like that. That's really good um, and really necessary for all of these technological developments that we're having um now your curveball question how would you explain tokenization in three sentences to an eight-year-old child three sentences yeah or you could do three words whichever is easiest Okay, so imagine a digital toy that you can send and gift to anyone. Okay, I like that. Okay, anyone around the world, that's pretty good. Any more? Or are you... Thanks, that was really challenging. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a difficult one, but it was pretty, I think it was pretty relevant to our conversation. Well, so, absolutely. Uh, I appreciate it. Um, how can people get a hold of you, follow you, follow Casper? 
Uh, the best way is to, uh, well, I mean, I publish on LinkedIn. So if you personally want to follow what I, my thought leadership and so on is, is always published on LinkedIn. And then, of course, Casper is uh, casper.network, uh, the website. And uh, what we've just discussed in terms of uh, um, in terms of capital markets, innovation and finance, you will find on nucleusfinance.com, actually. Okay, cool. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for coming on. I've really enjoyed having you. Thank you. As always, you can reach out and chat with me on my personal LinkedIn or Twitter at Izzy Castro Writes. That's spelled I-Z-Y. But for access to great daily content, check out Fintech Nexus on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can also sign up for our daily newsletter, bringing news straight to your inbox. For more fintech podcast fun, check out the website where you can find more fascinating conversations hosted by Peter Renton and Todd Anderson. That's it from me. Until next time, enjoy your downtime. <laughs>